0: Hi, I'm Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech Podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. And make sure to check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And now, the learning begins in 3, 2, 1. Everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools Podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. I'm your host, Greg Goins, and my special guest today is Ken Kay, CEO and co founder of edleader Leader 21, a professional learning community for school leaders committed to 21st century education. With more than 200 member districts and schools nationwide, Ed Leader 21 is the premier network for educators implementing competencies like the four C's of critical thinking, communication, collaboration, and creativity. Kin K is also a driving force behind the Portrait of a Graduate initiative that continues to build momentum with an ambitious goal of seeing 21% of schools across the country engage with their local communities to develop and implement a Portrait of a Graduate by the year 2021. Along with Valerie Greenhill, Ken is the author of the book, The Leader's Guide to 21st Century Education, Seven Steps for Schools and Districts. Ken is also a member of the board for the Buck Institute for Education. Be sure to connect with Ken K. on Twitter at KenK21 and check out the website portraitofagraduate.org. As always, thanks for listening, and be sure to share out this episode and all of our others on the Reimagined Schools podcast with the Reimagined Schools hashtag. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ken K. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. Very excited today to welcome in the CEO and co-founder of Ed Leaders 21, Ken K. How are you, Ken?
1: Terrific. Glad to be with you.
0: Well, I'm thrilled to have a chance to talk with you because you're doing wonderful things out there with uh, uh, not only Ed Leaders 21, but now the collaboration with uh, Battelle for Kids. And I want to get into all those wonderful things. But the the main reason I wanted to reach out with you is there's this uh, growing movement in this initiative called Portrait of a Graduate. And I think you're doing some amazing things there.
1: Well, thank you so much. Um, we, you know, in the 20, I've been working on 21st century education since 2002. And it's gone through some interesting phases. You know, we we started with the partnership for 21st century skills and we created a, uh, some people will remember, a rainbow for 21st century education that had about 25 skills associated with it. And then we have we started focusing on the four C's because people, 25 skills was too many and people didn't get it. And so the four C's, critical thinking, communication, collaboration, and creativity, uh, people go, oh, well, at least now we know what you're talking about. But the downside of the four C's is people felt like we were imposing those four C's on every district and they had to adopt those. So this idea of a portrait of a graduate arose I think rightfully from a need that each district has to sort of put its own imprimatur on the 21st century competencies that were important for their individual district. And so three or four years ago, we really started focusing on a portrait of a graduate. And most districts that do that work start with the four C's as a starting point, but almost nobody ends there. And they come up with their own individualized, customized portrait of a graduate for their district.
0: And I know as you travel the country and work with different school districts on this portrait of a graduate, the magic number is 21 because we're talking about uh, the, by the year 2021, your goal is to have 20% or 21%, excuse me, of schools across the country uh, implementing these 21st century skills. So talk a little bit about, uh, about that initiative and how you rolled that out and why you wanted to focus on that number 21 so much.
1: Well, I, I think it's a very ambitious goal, but, you know, I, I actually think today there are probably, you know, seven or 800 districts that are have not formally adopted a portrait of the graduate, um, may, maybe less. Um, and uh, that's only 5% of the districts in the country. We have 14,000 districts. So I think that we've put a line in the sand saying that when we got to the point, that we were at 20%, we would really have created the kind of momentum necessary. Um, I think right now what we're really focused on, and I, I agree with you, I think we really have some, I, every state I go to, people are at least talking about a portrait of a Graduate. So I'm, I'm excited that we now have some growing momentum. Whether we'll reach that number by 2021, I'm not so sure. But I do know that we are dramatically increasing the number of districts that are taking on this notion of a portrait of a graduate. And I think it's a great development.
0: And, you know, Ken, what I find interesting about the whole thing is, Personally, I don't think these are new conversations uh, in the sense that school districts for a long time have been talking about what do our students need to be successful in the real world after they complete high school. But I think what you've brought to the table, which is outstanding, is you've actually put a framework in place and say, guys, this is what you need to be looking at, and these are the steps to actually get it done. And after you rolled that out, I think the momentum just blew
1: up. Yeah. You know, one of the great decisions we made when we merged for, with the Telfer Kids out of Ohio, was they had the resources and the vision and the commitment to really create a, an upgraded free site of all these materials. So if you go on to portraitofagraduate.org, you'll see, and you hit gallery, you'll see 30 to 40 examples of portraits of a graduate. You'll, if, you'll also find a how to get started guide, which is about 20 pages of the experiences the folks At Patel for Kids and I have had facilitating community dialogues around this portrait of a graduate. And so it's a how-to guide about how to begin that dialogue in your community. And that's been very popular with districts uh, to use. So that that site, I think you're right, is um, districts around the country um, have taken a look at that site to find out you know, how should they get started and what does the portrait of a graduate look like. So we're thrilled that that's been such a great contribution to the sector that uh, the Tell for Kids has made.
0: And I think the big big shift, and again, uh, I give you tons of credit for this, is Uh, You know, I think back to my days as a superintendent, I may have gathered a few of my principals and lead teachers and maybe someone from our PTA to have this conversation, but you've really created this shared vision in which you're bringing people, stakeholders from all over the community, in to talk about what this portrait should look like for graduates.
1: Well, I'm glad you brought that piece up, Greg, because, um, you know, those districts that go awry with this process now are districts that just treat it as an internal conversation. And if you only talk to teachers and administrators, um, at some point the school board or the communities or the parents are going to say, Why are we doing this? And um, it's much better if the initial conversation includes business leaders, includes school board members, includes parents, includes youth groups. Includes workforce development groups, um, includes human resource experts, uh, because then if there's a broad consensus from the community and educators, and the school board formally approves it, and so for, for example, you've agreed that every kid is going to be should be self-directed, or every kid should be aspire to be a global citizen, or whatever it is. Then when somebody turns around two or three years later and saying, why are we doing this? The answer is the community as a whole and the school board formally agreed to this frame as our north star for our vision for the district. And we don't need to keep re-exploring that. Our goal now is to implement it. And you know, you and I can talk a little bit about what deep implementation looks like. But I think getting I think your point is really well taken, which is the broad community buy-in creates a context in which you don't have to go back and keep revisiting it now the very best districts who've been at this 15 years every five years they'll do a little refresh to make sure the con- the, the competencies are what they want to be they usually don't change much they might change a little sometimes they move uh, they move to fewer competencies so that they can be more focused um, but I but I do think that this idea of broad community buy-in is a critical success factor
0: and when you talked about the refresh, I, th- I think that's very valuable there as well because too many times I think we form a committee or we want to take this task on or this new initiative on and we complete the work and pat ourselves on the back, but we put it on the shelf and don't look at it again. For this to actually have some legs and move the needle in your school district, there has to be a constant refresh in what you're looking for.
1: I completely agree. And uh, – uh, you know, most districts that have done this work and stayed with it have done that refresh about every five years, and they learn from the experience. You know, we chose 11 competencies, and the next time we moved to seven, and the next time we moved to five, and we're honing in on the ones that really matter. We're honing in on the ones that we can really teach and assess. Uh, we're honing in on the ones that kids can really grow in, and um, and fewer, you know, few, more is, uh, 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 less is more. So I think there are a lot of lessons school districts learn in the first five years of implementation that can then shape the refresh.
0: And you talked a little bit about the website. And again, folks, you want to check this out, portraitofagraduate.org. You certainly want to follow Ken on Twitter at KenK21. You'll find some great examples, some great resources. I'm just sitting here thinking, Ken. As a super, as a former superintendent, if I wanted to tackle this project, would you recommend that I go to the website and get the getting started guide, or maybe just look at the examples? Do a lot of folks take these examples and kind of pick and choose areas that they want to focus on, or is it better to start with just a blank blank sheet of paper?
1: Well, I, I don't. I would look at both. I think it's helpful. To, um, to take a look at the gallery and get excited about what's possible, every district is going to want its own special flavor. So, for example, a lot of districts, when they do their visual, will, will think about local icons, or they'll think about the logo of the district, or they'll think about the mascot of the district. So this thing can get personalized to the district. Um, so I, I don't think that they want to replicate other people's visual models. I also think, you know, what I found is that while it's most districts will start with critical thinking, communication, collaboration, and creativity as a starting point, that usually ends up being 70 to 80 percent of the profile of a graduate. And what's interesting is the language that districts will use to be. Um, to customize it for themselves. So for example, I had one district at one time, in the first draft of the portrait of a graduate, they had self-reliant as one of the categories. And after the second meeting, a group of parents came up to me and said, we really don't like that term. I said, well, tell me, who do you represent? They said, oh, we're here representing the needs of the special needs kids in the district. And we don't always think the term self-reliant is what our kids are ultimately going to be capable of. And um, I said, well, did you give some thought to what better language might be? And they said, well, we really like old-directed and resilient. And that doesn't feel as inappropriate. And we, I said, well, and that turned out to be the language they use. We had, we had another district that, um, really felt that the four C's was too progressive. And uh, so they told their superintendent that what they wanted was to add the uh, the term personal responsibility. And if that became part of the frame, then they would feel that the values that they care about within their community were really being honored. So you know it that dialogue on the on the critical 20, 30, 40 percent really allows the district to find the language that really matters to them, and uh, and language does matter. But you know, the other story I'll tell you that you might enjoy. I had one district in Missouri. Superintendent calls me up and says, Ken, i uh, want you to come and uh, and talk to uh, about the, uh, the four Cs. And this was like ten years ago, and this was a harbinger of things to come, I think. And he said to me, whatever you do, don't talk about global citizenship. And I said, oh, okay, what's that about? And he said, well, in our district, if you're globally oriented, you put the interests of the world ahead of the interests of the United States. So um, about, I don't know, about seven or eight years later, I'm in uh, I'm in a district in Virginia, and um, these parents were looking at, uh, or citizens, groups were looking at a draft of the portrait of a graduate. That said, citizen, and they came to me and said, "We're not comfortable with that term. We have 203 languages in our district. We have lots of immigrants, and we think that they're going to look at the term citizen um, as uh, literally a citizen, and that doesn't—that's not what we mean." And I said, "Well, have you given some thought to what term you may w- would prefer to use?" And they said, uh, "We'd like to use the term global citizen." Um, Is that all right? And I said, sure. You know, just don't move to this particular town in Missouri. So, you know, every community has its own way of interpreting this work. And I, I think going back to your point earlier, allowing local communities and local districts to embrace this in a way that makes sense for them is a critical part of this work.
0: And, and, you know, one of the great things about social media is you can kind of follow along real time and see what these districts are doing as they go through this process. Uh, I follow the hashtag profile of a graduate. I know you were in Chicago just a day or two ago working with a high school district there. And, uh, you know, you can kind of see how people go about this process. And I, I ran across a tweet this morning uh, that was kind of eye-opening. Uh, they, I guess there were 60 or so people that were actually in the auditorium that wanted to be a part of this conversation. And again, I go back to my time as a principal or superintendent. How do I manage that many people? I I mean, what a great problem to have that all these people wanna weigh in. Uh, Do you walk them through some type of survey or is it just small group discussion or what does that process look like? Uh,
1: So let's be really clear though. Those are are people, uh, there may have been some volunteers. Those are people that were brought together by the superintendent to serve on a on a on an ongoing advisory group that is taking over three or four months, they in, in you know, in some facilitators do this uh, through uh, you know, at some communities will use their own facilitator. In our work, uh, both BFK and and, and mine, uh, we vary three to four times over three to six months. Um, but yes, there's a series of protocols uh, that we use. Um, some of it is. To get them to think about what changes take place in the last 25 years and what that means, what kinds of of trends are there in the society uh, in terms of changes in the volume of information, changes in the rate of uh, the pace of change, uh, changes in um, um, you know preparing people for a economy of repetitive tasks, versus now preparing people for an economy of non-repetitive tasks. So there's all kinds of changes we get them to think about. Um, And then we take them through a process of trying to reach consensus over several meetings as to, what are the competencies that are most uh, useful to them, uh, most helpful uh, to that school district? And um, we also, in, in some cases, take them through a process of creating a visual, uh, take them through a process of of, um, of uh, thinking about what the implications of the portrait of a graduate are. So I mentioned this earlier. You and I may want to kick this idea around now. Once you have the portrait of a graduate, how do you use it to lever deep change within the district? And so we get these advisory groups to just uh, give their own impression to the district of what are the areas they think are implicated by this portrait of a graduate.
0: Yeah, without question, that's that's the next logical place to go after the process, then you have the implementation. And, uh, you know, I I also uh, love the fact that you're getting a lot of different perspective from a lot of different folks. But most importantly, you're hearing from actual students and what a better, you know, I can't think of a better way to kind of design what the portrait of a graduate would be. Then talk to high school students or maybe even junior high students about what they think their experience should be. And then you can kind of lead me into what the impact is from there.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh, thank you for that though. Um, it, it, uh, listen, I've worked with some K through eight districts that have actually had seventh and eighth graders participate in this process and it worked well. Um, this, District I'm working with right now that you mentioned is the Glen Bard High School School District um, outside of Chicago, and they basically have put a student at every table. And you know, I find that um, the idea of having the conversation rooted in student perspectives is very important and very helpful so that the adults can't get too far afield from, uh, from student perspectives. So I think that's very, uh, very helpful. Uh, but as we mentioned earlier, we get parents engaged. We get businesses engaged. We get HR directors engaged. Uh, there are a lot of different perspectives, and I. But I think getting teachers, administrators, students, parents, and the outside community are sort of the building blocks for most of these processes. Uh, to switch over to your other, uh, uh, the other issue, which is, what are the implications? When we started this work originally, we thought of the four Cs or the portrait of a graduate, primarily as competencies for students when they graduate. So yes, there's going to be content mastery that the state requires, and there are high-stakes tests for that. But I think we now know that high-stakes tests around memorization don't really prepare kids for 21st century jobs or 21st century society. And so the question that this portrait of a graduate is answering is, what are the competencies the school district believes are in, uh, important to complement the content mastery? And so that's what these exercises are really about. So what we found, though, after doing going through this process and talking, and particularly initially to teachers about this work, is the teachers said, well, if we want our kids to be critical thinkers, good communicators, good collaborators, and creative, those are actually descriptors of the pedagogy we need to use to get there. So they became, although we thought of them as student competencies, they really became descriptors of pedagogy. Well, when we talked to superintendents at the beginning of this work, they said, well, actually, those are actually the elements of leadership skills that we need for our leadership team. If we want to have a district that has uh, a portrait of a graduate that includes critical thinking, communication, collaboration, and creativity. We as leaders need to demonstrate that skill. Uh, then we realize that they are also the descriptors of school and district culture. And then finally, uh, this you know this we came to this slowly. The districts that are taking this the most seriously are u- viewing their portrait of a graduate as a uh, uh, as a place to embed in their policies, like HR policies. So it's a logical extension that if you're going to uh, take this uh, work seriously, you're going to want to use these attributes to hire teachers. You're going to want to use these attributes to incentivize teachers to evaluate teachers. So I think this um, this um, uh, work, uh, the portrait of a graduate, has implications far beyond just describing student competencies. They really can become the north star. For almost every aspect of the operation of your school district,
0: and you know, Ken, I could just tell talking with you in the short time we've had together that you're very passionate about this and very enthusiastic. I and know that. yeah, I can just imagine uh, the smile on your face as you participate in a lot of these conversations within school districts. It has to warm your heart to see these discussions happening and seeing the the, the great work that so many school districts are doing.
1: Yeah, it really is, but I I wanna finish the implications conversation in in one important way, which is um, what we're learning over time, even though I said that this portrait of a graduate really can impact every aspect of a district's operations, the most important piece that it needs to impact is classroom practice. Mm -hmm. And if we don't turn this portrait of a graduate into changes in the way we teach and assess students, and in what students are being asked to do, uh, then it really is a nullity. Then it's just a poster on the wall. So I really think it's important that um, that districts that undertake this understand that what they're really doing is creating the, the 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 north star for the way they want teaching to transform in their district and and teaching. Practices and pedagogy uh, that emphasizes critical thinking, problem solving, communication, and collaboration looks a lot different than uh, desks and rows and stand and deliver teachers, and that's the change that the portrait of a graduate can really instigate.
0: Yeah, and I think that North Star language is so valuable as, as school leaders think about what is most important you know how are they going to spend their time to improve their schools this is probably a good time to insert uh the fact that you're co-author of a great book the leader's guide to 21st century education seven steps for schools and districts so as you go out you're also talking about changing schools or reimagining schools which is kind of the the focus of this podcast
1: Uh, Yes, I think that that a a number of folks that have taken on the reimagined mantra, which we certainly concur with, have focused on uh, the school as the the place to change. And when we started this work, we thought it was really important to pitch this work to superintendents and leadership teams because we didn't think that, that school change by itself was scalable. Uh, principals out on their own, without the support of superintendents, leadership team, the resources of the district, we didn't think are going to get as far as they need to go. And so we have spent our seven, eight years within that Leader 21, and now our our joint work with Patel for Kids really focused on what does district transformation needs to look like. And um, I, you know, I do get a smile on my face often. Uh, when we meet with leadership teams, and when we meet with these community stakeholder groups, when they they really love the opportunity to talk about reconfiguring where the the, the North Star in a way that really uh, creates a simple way of describing uh, the new direction and the change we want to see. I think that you alluded to earlier that we in K through 12 education go through you know sort of the the um, change du jour and um, but it's never tethered to a to a common vision and the nice thing about the portrait of a graduate is is that once you've created your portrait of a graduate you know whether a change is really aligned to where you're headed or whether it's getting in the way and you also know a lot of your old practices need to atrophy because they really don't address this new model of education so I think in that regard it's really gratifying to go around the country and watching districts and principals together, uh, identifying this new tool, not as a way of, not as seeing it as a new program, but seeing it as a way to identify a North Star that can then bring some common sense and some alignment and some coherence to everything they're doing.
0: Well, it's been a great conversation, Ken. And again, I'm a big fan of what you're doing. And, and folks, if you're out there listening and you're thinking about this process, Ken, I'll just kind of leave you with uh, the opportunity to speak directly to superintendents or school leaders out there, maybe board members listening. What advice can you give them? Maybe if they're on the fence, maybe they're thinking it's too late in the school year to start something like this. What advice do you have to get them up and get them moving?
1: Well, first of all, Greg, thank you so much for this opportunity. It's just been a delight to be on with you, and I really appreciate it. Uh, look, um, I, I superintendents have become my favorite public servants. The great superintendents who really see themselves as dynamic leaders and change agents, and and people who are driving toward transformation, are among the best public servants in the country right now. And I, I and I I can't say enough about how many good ones I've seen and how humbled I am in the face of all the work that they do to try to move their districts forward. You know, by the way, the timing issue is one, this is the perfect moment, because if I were a superintendent, particularly one, a newer one, but even ones that, you know, um, have been around longer, sitting here where we are right now in March or April and looking at the next school year, Um, It would be a perfect moment to get your leadership team this summer, uh, have them look at our book, The Leader's Guide to 21st Century Education, have them look at um, uh, uh, maybe Ted Dinnersmith's new book, What School Could Be, there's a bunch of great things to look at, but have them meet this summer as a leadership team and commit to this portrait of a graduate process in the fall. Um, and what I would say is is that the fall's a perfect time, maybe October, November, and December. You could do three community advisory group meetings. There's plenty of time from between now and October to set that process up. And by Christmas time, you could have a portrait of a graduate and then use that next spring as a way of beginning to plan your professional development going forward. So I think the timing's excellent, and I, I think that if I were a leader right now, I would get on the Portrait of a Graduate website, I would look at it and I would try to figure out how can I get my leadership team to embrace this process so that we could and get the board excited about this process between now and Labor Day so that we could kick off a Portrait of a Graduate process next fall. That would be my advice.
0: Well, I think that's great advice and again, if you're out there thinking about jumping on this portrait of a graduate train uh you want to follow ken on twitter at kenk k21 go to the website portraitofagraduate.org and uh, we want you to be part of the magic number 21 by 2021 we want 20 21 percent of the school districts in the country to have a portrait of a graduate that emphasizes 21st century skills and you certainly want to be a part of that so ken thanks Frank, so much for your time
1: right one, one last thing i'm just gonna do a little quick plug uh, districts that are doing this work have found that one of the best things they can do is to be part of a professional learning community of districts around the country that are that are implementing this work. So edleader21.org is the place to look at our website and, and think about the opportunity. We're now at 210 members around the country, and it may be another great opportunity for a superintendent who's really serious about this work. Beyond getting on the website, they may want to consider being part of our professional learning community or transformative uh, superintendents and transformative districts. We'd love to have them.
0: Yeah, and again, I concur. Check out. Ed Leaders 21, some great things happening there as well. So, folks, thanks again for your time to all of our loyal listeners for making Reimagine Schools one of the fastest growing podcasts in the Ed Leadership genre. And as always, folks, do what you can in your school and community to create better schools for kids. Thank you for listening to the Reimagine Schools podcast with Dr. Greg Goins. Be sure to continue the conversation on social media with the Reimagine Schools hashtag and subscribe to the podcast at reimagineschools.net. You can also help support this podcast by clicking on the listener support link and making a small monthly contribution. Contact Dr. Greg Goins today to invite him to speak or present at your next education conference or professional development day. Please send inquiries to doctor at gmail.com or on Twitter at doctor Greg Goins.